This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We are killing it online. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on WSJS. Glad to have you on this Wednesday drive. It is WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad, where we have quite the basketball doubleheader tonight at seven o'clock right here on WSJS. It's Duke and number 10 Baylor from Madison Square Garden, followed by on ESPN, number 11, North Carolina facing number seven, Oklahoma. We'll get to the hoop shortly, but first, the latest on the Carolina Panthers coaching search. Last night, ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler reported that if the Panthers decided to hire one of the offensive coordinator candidates to be their next head coach, as has been the suspicion, Jeremy Fowler reporting a few weeks ago, that likely they're going to go the path of hiring a young OC. If they go that path based on this week's report, they'd like to keep current defensive coordinator Ajiro Evero in place. Now, Some are going to hear this and think, David Tepper's at it again, overstepping, dictating staff. You know, with concerts. Just like he did with Frank Reich, forcing him to hire outside his circle based on the athletic report, keeping Chris Tabor on staff and James Campen. And if you feel that way, I won't say you're wrong. But sometimes, even if philosophically it's not what you want an owner dictating staff or whatever, sometimes you could get lucky and get it right. Because what I hear when I read this report and see that tact is the best-case scenario for the Panthers. A young OC paired with Jiro Evero is the best-case scenario for the Carolina Panthers hire, for their head coaching hire. Because Evero returning as the D.C. would make the job more appealing. And that's how I think stuff like this gets out. Whenever stuff gets out, ask ask yourself who it benefits. And this benefits the Carolina Panthers. Having people know, hey, if you're one of these offensive hotshots looking to take a head coaching job, your most difficult hire to make is going to be pretty easy to make here. When you're an offensive coordinator, and you're a first-time head coach, the most important hire you make, the most difficult hire you make, is figuring out who your, D- your D.C. is going to be. Because you're not taking the D.C. likely from the team you just left because they already have a head coach who has that D.C. And probably you're a really good team, and the team you're going to isn't all that good because they just fired a coach in most instances. So you're not bringing that D.C. along with you. And if you're a first-time head coach, you probably don't have the bona fides, you don't have the resume that retreads might or as current head coaches do to hire qualified defensive coordinators who have done it before. So in this instance, you could be a young OC who takes this job and inherits a DC who already has worked with these players and has the number three total defense despite the fact so many of these players have been banged up throughout the year and you've gotten zero help from your offense? Like, Averro's done a fantastic job. One of the best coaching jobs in the NFL this year, full stop. 
But David Tepper's not going to hire a defensive-minded guy if he didn't hire Steve Wilkes last year. You know, with concerts. He's going to hire a young OC, and now the challenge becomes keeping Ajiro Evero in place. And that's not a long shot, by the way. He might not want to move four times in four seasons. This is, let's just look at this at a very human aspect. We can dehumanize people because, or in this sport, because of how ravenously it's followed and fantasy football and stuff. You're just a guy who creates points for me and fantasy football are on the actual scoreboard. We can do that in sports sometimes. We lose the human aspect of things. Ajiro Evero, three years ago, was with the LA Rams. And he left the LA Rams to join the Denver Broncos two football seasons ago. That football staff got fired, Nathaniel Hackett. So then he left that staff to last year join the Carolina Panthers, or for this season, join the Carolina Panthers. If he were to leave this job and go somewhere else, that is him moving his family four times in four years. And it's not just your family that you're going to create stress for. He hired a staff of defensive coaches to Charlotte that are probably going to follow him wherever he goes. So when he makes decisions, he's impacting so many lives in doing so. David Tepper seems pretty clear, wants to keep Evero in place. He has the money to try and do that. Mr. Concerts himself. You know, with concerts. He could make him one of the highest paid defensive coordinators there are. I think him staying would make the job more appealing to offensive-minded guys. And Tepper should make the most important thing that Tepper needs to do with this head coaching hire is find somebody who fits well with Bryce. Last year, they didn't do that with Frank Reich. But to be fair, they didn't know they were going to have Bryce Young when they hired Frank Reich. They didn't know that. They had the number nine pick. We didn't know for sure that Bryce Young was the number one guy in that draft. It was going to be either him or C.J. Stroud. The draft process really didn't begin in earnest until the combine in February and all that. So when they made the hire, they didn't have the number one pick. They had no idea who the quarterback was going to be, and that's a lot different than now where we know who the quarterback is and we've seen a season of Bryce. Find somebody who's creative, who's innovative. Youthful does generally check some of those boxes with some of these guys. And find your next Mike McDaniel. Find your next Kyle Shanahan. Find somebody who checks boxes that suit Bryce Young's skill set. Someone from the Shanahan tree, like Bobby Slowick with Houston. Find somebody who's able to elevate quarterbacks. Like, clearly, we've seen Ben Johnson do with Jared Goff, revitalizing his career. There are great candidates out there. And I think... Pairing one of those guys with the Giro Evero is the quickest way for the Carolina Panthers to get back in their winning ways, where they haven't been since David Tepper bought the team. That's the, that's the best case scenario. On X, at WSJS Radio, that's where we're streaming video. In addition to YouTube and Twitch, Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show. WD, happy National Signing Day to you. And to you as well. Oh, I love Signing Day it's so the best. Much. I actually hate it. Oh, National Signing Day. Nobody knows if these kids are good, despite what the star systems tell you. And then you got everybody 
half these kids are going to transfer in the next year or two anyway. National Signing Day, yay. To be clear, it's the coverage I have problems with, not the kids putting on hats and all that. Just want to be clear on that. Getting the basketball. Even though North Carolina is facing a higher-ranked team than Duke is tonight, you should be much more worried about the Blue Devils than the Tar Heels. Duke's about to run into a buzzsaw at MSG, 7 o'clock on WSJS. Baylor, they're coming off their first loss of the year. Saturday, they got embarrassed in Detroit. Lost by 24. Listen to Scott Drew talk just about this, about the level of motivation they have going into tonight's game. Games are played a lot quicker than football, where football you have to wait uh, a week. Um, Obviously, uh, uh, everyone was embarrassed and uh, disappointed with their performance against Michigan State. But again, I credit them for... uh, um, making that happen. Um, they played a great game, and we weren't up uh, to the challenge. So uh, we got a bunch of uh, competitors, and uh, I know they're excited and uh, ready to get back out there. I bet they are. Baylor's already known for being aggressive. They're already known for their physicality. That's going to be ramped up tonight. And Duke's really missing Tyrese Proctor. They're not going to have Proctor tonight. And we've seen how important he is. He went out in the first two minutes of that Georgia Tech game. They lost to Georgia Tech. The two games he struggled prior to that, Arkansas and Arizona, losses as well. Against Hofstra last week, I was there courtside at Cameron. They were down by five at the under four media timeout. Now, they ended up winning the game by 21, but there was a scare put into them. They needed flip to nearly put up a triple-double to have the success they needed required to win that game. They struggled with Hofstra's toughness. Baylor's on a different level than that. Unless Flip goes for about a triple-double, which is possible, considering he was too shy, too assist shy of doing so against Hofstra, and he had seven turnovers in the game. Unless that happens, I think Baylor wins in a walk. Baylor's the better team right now without Tyrese Proctor there. They're ranked number 10 for a reason. Give me the Bears. Hashtag sick them. By double digits tonight at MSG. Yes, MSG is Duke's second home. You're going to hear all about that. I don't think that matters tonight. I think Baylor is going to give Duke a lot of problems. You're on the drive with Josh WSJS. Before you review... You've Got Mail, 1998, which you watched for the first time. Rank these three movies in order. When Harry Met Sally, 1989. Sleepless in Seattle, 93. You've Got Mail, 98. The Meg Ryan, the trilogy. Holy trinity of romantic comedy. She's the rom-com queen. I would go Sleepless in Seattle third, because that didn't really do it for me. Uh, I would go this one second. You've got mail. And then I would go When Harry Met Sally at the top. It is hotly debated, Sleepless in Seattle versus You've Got Mail, because it's Hanks and Meg Ryan. I think I prefer Sleepless over You've Got Mail. I think I do. I think I like both of them a little bit younger. I like one of them working at the Baltimore Sun. She's a reporter in this movie, too, I think. 
Well, she no uh, bookstore owner. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking about when Harry met Sally. She worked for a magazine. Sorry, getting my Meg Ryan roles mixed up. You're right. She works the at the uh, on the corner children's bookshop. Do we still have those in 2023? I don't know if we do or not. Or did Fox Books or Barnes and Noble? Just take them all over. I think Barnes & Noble took it. I love Barnes & Noble. That's my spot right there. Sounds like you'd like Fox Books, too. I would love it. Now let's get to At The Movies with the WD. Unless you're talking about Star Wars. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Movies aren't exactly Will's thing. I don't get it. You uncultured swine. But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At The Movies with Will Dalton. We'll get to the latest on the Carolina Panthers coaching search and other things in just a bit, but we need WD to tell us what he liked and what he didn't like about You've Got Mail. What did you like about this movie? Well, right off the top, I mean, we got to give a shout out to Brinkley the dog. Yeah. Brinkley I love, the dog? Yeah. Loved Brinkley the dog. Golden um, Retriever. Mm-hmm. I also like Walking the f- him off leash. It's true. Bold Very well trained. At the end of the movie. It's, it is bold. But is he though? Because he kind of ran off. <laughs> I mean, he must be well trained if he's walking him off the leash though. If you're one of those that have a dog that walks off leash, stop it. Put your dog on a leash. Yeah, people, you should. You, should you make other people uncomfortable when it happens, and it's not that cool. Um, also, I'm jealous, but still, it's not that cool. You can't do it with Lola the dog? No. We should go nuts. Probably. Mm. Uh, I did like the fact that this was a little bit of a twist on kind of the cliche, stereotypical rom-com where they start out not really liking each other, you know, because they're in competition with the bookstore and everything, and then they end up liking each other, but the twist here is they've been talking online, and kind of at the end when they start to get a little closer, at first she's like, well, I'm, you know, she's she's got whatever the user, NYSC, what was his username? He was, I don't know what he was, but Shop Girl was. Shop Girl was her name. She's like, no, there's this other guy, but it's just kind of a cool little twist on that. This movie strangely ages well. Like, the internet was not hitting its stride in 98. It had not taken off yet. And now, internet dating is commonplace. Also, corporate businesses taking over the little guy. That resonates really well. Still something we see today. With Amazon wiping out local businesses and, you know, all these other stores that we became accustomed to Barnes and Noble wiping out all the local bookstores. I can't even name a local bookstore in Winston-Salem, which makes me sad. Is there still a Borders bookstore? Is that still a thing? I'm sure the internet chat, the YouTube chat will tell us if that's the case. Maybe. But that's uh, something I like, that the movie aged pretty well in that regard. What didn't you like? Is it really believable that they would have this interaction going on online and then they had the relationship in person that they would not start to speculate that... I think she did. Because at the end, she said, I wanted it to be you so badly. Yeah. So she suspected it. Hey, he showed up the night that I was waiting for somebody, and he said when he showed up to her apartment sick that he knew that she liked daisies. Like, she was starting to piece it 
together. However, Meg Ryan in real life does not take him back. Oh, no shot. If no shot, he's she's the reason way too good for your him. business gets nuked. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know if she's way too good for him. He's He seems well off. What I'm saying is, if you do what she did and the store had the meaning with your mom and stuff and he was confrontational and you went on television bashing the guy, you're you're not taking that guy back. Or you're not welcoming a romantic relationship with him, period. I don't know what's more unrealistic. That getting together at the end of the movie or her getting back getting together with Harry at the end of when Harry met Sally after they slept together and then he kind of ditched her <laughs> and showed up with another girl three weeks later at the wedding, their friend's wedding. I, I don't I don't know which one is more unrealistic, Meg Ryan and a rom-com getting together with the guy at the end. I think it's the Harry Met Sally one. because They're both tough. They're both tough, but that one's really bad. What's the best quote from You've Got Mail? Well, obviously you've got the, oh, I was, I was hoping it was you. Uh, Dave Chappelle was also a really good part of this, Kevin. And this is from him. Really? Yeah. I, 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 I was happy the, to see him. I, I just don't think Dave Chappelle had much to do with Well, he didn't, movie. but the, but I like the cameo, though. We got a $50,000. It wasn't even a cameo. He played a role. Like, he was like... The third leading role of this movie. Fair enough. We got a $50,000 ticket for construction workers peeing off the roof. All the Godfather quotes are pretty good. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, <laughs> Wednesday. That's great. Mm-hmm. F-O-X. How do you spell cat? F-O-X. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Cranberry song playing as she talks about three letters or three words I can't wait to hear. You've got mail. I've got mail. Yeah, it was interesting hearing them narrate the emails throughout the majority of the movie. What is the score? Can you get within five on Rotten Tomatoes? You've got mail 98. 25 years old. Give me an 85. 73%. Oof, really? And that's been At The Movies. With the WD. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. Two huge games tonight, seven o'clock on WSJS. Duke facing Baylor. MSG. 9 o'clock, North Carolina and Charlotte facing number 7, Oklahoma. Capping this really difficult run of games for the Tar Heels. Talking about seven or eight games in a row against high major competition, many of them ranked in the top 25. I can't think of anyone better to visit with right now than our friend from The Athletic, Brendan Marks, who you can follow on X at Brendan R. Marks. Great to see you. And if you're watching on YouTube, X, and on Twitch, just for random Reasons. Fun to watch you joining the show. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay. Who are you more concerned about tonight? They're both facing teams that are higher ranked than they are. North Carolina's 11th. Oklahoma, undefeated 10-0, is ranked 7th of the country. Duke ranked 21st, facing number 10, Baylor. 
I'm, I'm more concerned about Duke because North Carolina has a couple of quality wins in the non-conference that it can fall back on still. That Tennessee win, even at home, is only going to continue to get better and better. I'm not convinced Tennessee is not a top 10 team in the country. All three of their losses have come against really, really good teams. Um, Duke, on the other hand, has lost three of the four high major games that it's played. And the only win that it has against Michigan State, which is having the worst start to a season of any preseason top five team in the last 40 years. So they really, really need to beat Baylor tonight. And Baylor, unfortunately, is a very good team. And also, unfortunately, is coming off a game where it was promptly embarrassed against Michigan State. So playing in Duke North helps. Um, but if Duke does not win against Baylor tonight, you're talking about, I would say, one of the more disappointing non-conference resumes of any of any preseason ranked team in the country. Duke hoping to get Tyrese Proctor back sometime in the next month or so. He won't be playing tonight. That's a problem that can be fixed. Can the rest of their problems be fixed? Yeah, I think so. I think we've seen a lot of progress. I mean, consider the caliber of opponent, but I thought Duke looked much improved against Charlotte and Hofstra. The ball movement was better. The quality of shots were much easier. Got a lot of guys involved. Um, I do think that there's still a little bit of a what exactly do we do with Mark Mitchell situation. Um, you know, I, I remember vividly in that Hofstra game looking at him every time he got the ball, and it was almost like he looked at it before he shot it like he was in his own head. So – you know, I, I wonder if him not seeing the ball go in from the perimeter is starting to affect confidence at all. Um, but Kyle Filipowski has been incredible and is going to continue to be. I think that Shire has started using Mitchell in ways to get him downhill going towards the basket. I really liked what they did with him coming out of short rolls against Hofstra. Um, Jeremy Roach has very quietly been one of the best and most productive guards in the country, certainly in the ACC. Like Jared McCain, I think, has, has been very impressive to me as a rebounder, as a, a complimentary piece. Like, I'm not super, super worried about Duke, but at some point you are what your resume says you are, and, and that's why I think tonight is so important. Brenda Marks with us here. What's the best explanation for why North Carolina has struggled so much on the boards? Because it only has one legitimate big man. <laughs> I mean, some sometimes it is that easy. Uh, you know, Armando Baycott is a really good player who, you know, I don't Armando. think I'm – no. I don't think I'm I'm speaking out of turn here, and I think he'd agree with me. He has not played up to his potential, you know, really since the Bahamas. Um, he's been relatively underwhelming. And, you know, for him to have only had four shots and to have been, in the first half of that Kentucky game, a net negative. I mean, North Carolina was better without him on the floor, and he picked it up late in the second half. But he hasn't been the dominant rebounder that they've needed him to be. And I don't know if that's trying to figure out still how he plays with Elliot Cadeau. I don't know if that's still trying to figure out the offensive split with RJ. Um, you know, I don't really know what it is, but he has to be better for them to get back to the rebounding prowess because there is never an explanation for a six foot guard to lead you in rebounding, especially when he has six of his seven rebounds in the first half. I'm a big fan of Bill Murray's. I watched Stripes for the first time earlier this week, though. There's still some that I hadn't seen before. One of my favorites of Bill Murray's is Groundhog Day. And I was thinking about that movie when I see Joe Lenardi, for whatever reason, in December putting up stuff and making arguments about how the ACC is only a five-bid league again. And I'm already starting to see creep in this take. If Clemson is the best team in the ACC... That has to mean the ACC is down, even though, as we learned with Miami, doesn't always mean 
that the league is down if your powerhouses aren't at the top. You now follow this even broader than North Carolina and Duke. Are you starting to sense at this point a discrediting of ACC basketball this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a continuation of, you know, a lot of people have said to me that this is a trend that began two seasons ago, that this is sort of the third season of the ACC's so-called slippage. I would argue that it kind of goes back to 2020. I think that, you know, after 2019, when the ACC got three number one seeds, produced the national champions, Duke and North Carolina, played that awesome game in Charlotte, six first round picks on the court at the same time. I, I would argue that was where whatever sort of, you know, drop that you want to suggest is happening began. Um, at the same time, the ACC does seem to have an act for putting teams in the final four, doesn't it? It's almost like playing the variety of styles that you face in the ACC prepares you for facing a variety of styles in March. Wild how there's overlap there. Um, however, I do agree that I have been a little disappointed in the league just based on where I thought it would be in the preseason compared to where it is now. The irony, I, the irony for me, though, Brendan, is here's what college football and college basketball have in common. You have people deciding who get into the tournament and get into the playoff. And it is amusing to me. All the SEC fans I heard from in March say, the ACC didn't earn it. You can't have more teams. They didn't earn it. And then during football season, <laughs> well, you can't leave the SEC out. What are you talking about? History. Am I right? It's interesting how these things work sometimes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I and I do think that the ACC gets – the thing is, like, the ACC gets the benefit of the doubt, but it only gets the benefit of the doubt with two, maybe three teams. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the reality of the situation. So, so let, let's, let's broaden it then. So you have the five that are obvious. You have four that are ranked right now. Miami's the top team receiving votes. The next group feels like pretty firmly right now, maybe Syracuse can creep into this group, but as of right now, it feels like NC State, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, and we'll throw Wake Forest in just for fun because Monsanto is going to come back to this team. They added Efton Reed. They could be pretty good. And they have two high major wins in the last couple of weeks. H how do you look at that second tier of the ACC? Do you see NCAA tournament teams out of the group that I mentioned? I think that Pitt can be an NCAA tournament team. Um, Blake Hinson is on a heater, like a, an otherworldly heater right now. Um, big, big Blake Hinson stand right here. Um, I do not have confidence in NC State because other than an overtime win against Boston College. Um, Boston College? <laughs> yeah, other than that, NC State doesn't have a top 200 win this year. And I just, quite frankly, don't see a viable pathway with their non-conference schedule to making it into the tournament. Um, just don't know if they quite have the horses last year. I mean, consider consider the talent that NC State had last year, and it was still a question of whether NC State was going to make the tournament. <laughs> um, you know, Syracuse is the interesting one to me. I think Syracuse has a lot of untapped potential still. I really like um, some of the things that Red Autry is doing so far. Obviously, their backcourt on paper can be one of the better ones in the league. Um, I am not all the way out on Syracuse, too, but uh, Wake Forest, I'm, I'm – afraid that ship might have sailed a little bit too. Um, I'm never going to count Steve Forbes out, but he certainly isn't getting the benefit of the doubt come selection time. No. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't think six is unreasonable, but beyond that, yeah, I think we're starting to be, you know, a little idealistic. I'm penciling Judah Mintz into my ACC tournament draft now. Ooh. Just putting him in there. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, on the way out, I don't know if you've seen any of these movies, but a listener suggested – 
hey, you put four movies on the pole, right? I'm like, yeah. Well, how about you do something that's themed with the college football playoff teams? And I thought, okay, Alabama, let's put Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington and uh, Gene Hackman in there. Uh, Washington, rather than go Seattle-based movies, how about we just do another Denzel Washington movie and put Man on Fire in there? Uh, Texas, got to go McConaughey, so... You know, time to kill. Uh, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. And or you also, that's a Sam Jackson line, in case you didn't know, WD. You'll learn that if that's the movie. And then we have, who am I forgetting? Michigan. So RoboCop, naturally, ended up on the list just because he's seen 8 Mile and Beverly Hills Cop. Any of those four movies stand out to Brendan Marks? I think just in terms of sheer watchability of the four, This is, is this for WD? Yeah. I, th- I think I go RoboCop. I think just in terms of like watchability, in terms of notoriety. Um, however, that would not be my pick in the college football playoff. But in this movie, in this movie version of it, uh, I go RoboCop. <laughs> Who would be your pick in the playoff then? You're going Alabama? We're going Crimson gotta- Tide? I actually have a close personal friend who uh, went to Washington and my brother-in-law went to Texas. And so the winner of that game will be uh, earning my support. Let's I do go. say go Tar Heels. Yeah, that's uh, Matthew McConaughey on the show. We got him to say that, and we have that drop forever. <laughs> uh, Brendan Marks, it's good to see you, and uh, appreciate you spending the time. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. I don't know why I said it like a British person. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Appreciate it. Likewise, happy holidays to everyone. Hope it's a safe and, and, and good holiday season. Your attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Happy National Signing Day to those who celebrate, to use to you and yours. I almost said use. I watched A Bronx Tale for the first time last night. I'm sure you know what that movie is. Totally. Totally know what it is. It's a tale about the Bronx. And there's a lot of use language that's used in that, and that's influencing my speech, I think. This is our contribution to National Signing Day. We do it every year. We throw. Previously, it was Robert Walsh. Now it's Will Dalton. Robert was not great at spelling. I actually think I did pretty good last year from you what You went I five for five. <laughs> well, look at that. Robert was bad at spelling, so it was a more entertaining segment when he would get it wrong. Not as fun when WD is going five for five. A lot of people allege that he looked up the names prior and was Whoops. cheating. No. So no. I included transfers to our list here in state Mm -hmm. north carolina signing day spelling bee i've got five names here if you get three right you win can you go five for five again we shall find out are you ready to go yes then let's do it first name (laughs) mo Clipper Jr. (laughs) Tennessee offensive line transfer. He's a Charlotte 49er. Fifth pogey doing work in the portal. Mo Clipper Jr. That's your first name. Okay. Starting out easy. It would seem. Maybe. M-O-E. C-L-I-P-P-E-R. J-R- Dot 
you know, for the junior there. No! That is incorrect. What did I get wrong? M.O. Oh! You know what? I, I knew I shouldn't have put the E, but I thought, I'm a, I bet he's trying to trip me up right out of the gate. That was an easy one. They only get harder from here. Okay. Second name. Mm-hmm. Katen Hauser. <laughs> okay. Michigan State transfer quarterback to my East Carolina Pirates. Pirates needed a quarterback badly this year. Yes. The offense was horrific. Katen Hauser. Katen. K A T O N H O U S E R. That is incorrect. What? K A T I N H O U S E R. I'm picturing people playing along in their car right I now. I bet so. Somebody listening is two for two right now. Good for them. I'm WD thrilled. needs to get the rest of these right in order to win. Maybe he goes 0 for 5 after going 5 and 0 last year. And I could have chosen a lot more difficult names than the one that I've chosen here. I'm sure you could have. This is a bounce back one. Javon Bailey. NC State corner, three-star from Norcross, Georgia. Javon Bailey. J-A-V-O-N-B-A-I-L-E-Y. Got both wrong. First name. Good grief. J-I-V-A-N. This is a disaster. B-A-L-Y. I hate you. That is how it's pronounced, though. Ah! Bailey, Javon Bailey, you are O for three. So. WD. I had to stand up and walk around for a minute there. You ready for the next one? Fire it at me. Jeremy Heklinski. Oh boy. <laughs> Wake Forest quarterback, three star from Marietta, Georgia. They actually really like him. He might be in the mix along with Hank Bachmeyer, who I didn't include on this list because I was being nice. I bet you I would have got that one right. Jeremy mm -hmm. Heklinski. J-E-R-E-M-Y. <sighs> H-E-C-K-L-I-N- S-K-Y. Probably butchered that. You were so close. It was what an I, I instead of a Y. <sighs> J-E-R-E-M-Y-H-E-C-K-L-I-N-S-K-I. Not Y. So I'm O for foe. This one should be pretty easy for you to... Get one right. <laughs> I can't wait. Will WD go 0 for 5? Let's find out. Jordan Spasojevic Moko. <laughs> I don't even remember what you said, much less spell it. Jordan yeah. Spasojevic Moko. Spasojevic Moka. Jordan <laughs> Spasojevic Moko. Good luck to that PA announcer.
Uh, Another Charlotte offensive line transfer. This guy's from Texas A&M. Yeah. Had a good couple. Okay. SECO lineman. I'm good. Jordan Spazojevic Moko. I'm about to have a Spazojevic Moko trying to spell this. J O R D A N. Let's get that out of the way. That's correct. Thanks. Terrific. Spazojevic Moko. S P A. Z, O, got over that hurdle. Uh, J, E V, I C H, M, O C O. <laughs> Just give yourself the bell. Ah, I couldn't remember how to say it. Jordan Spasojevic Moko. Mm-hmm. J O R D A N. Got that. S P A S O J E V I C dash M O K O. Jordan Spazojevic Moko. W D, after going five for five last year, <sighs> you went over on the signing day spelling bee, I'm afraid. I feel like last year's Tar Heel team getting to the final four and then. No tournament for you. Somebody's writing in. Every time Josh picks UNC, I get nervous. I know. <laughs> I mean, that valid. Picks are still four over 500 for the year. Just pointing that's, that out. And that's against the spread. Buddy. Send me that cash out, family. That's been our na- national signing day spelling bee. I hate signing day so much. I hate it. Now, let me be clear. I hate the coverage of national signing day. I'm not saying I hate kids having their day in the sun and picking hats and all that. That's all good fun. I'm talking about the coverage of it, where now it's become this massive cottage industry, it feels like, covering high school recruiting. I know because I used to be a part of it. I used to run a scout scout website, and that's now become 24-7, and... Even then, I had no idea who was good. Oh, but we're going to attach stars to it. Oh, this guy's a three-star, four-star, five-star kit. Nobody knows anything. But then we got coaches telling us, oh, man, everybody's awesome. How many times have we heard, speaking of your Tar Heels, oh, man, this recruiting class, oh, my gosh. This guy's amazing. This guy's going to change everything. A lot of those guys are on the defensive side of the ball. How much change have we seen? And on top of it, it was bad when it was was in February, you'd have the signing day. It's worse now that it's in December because it's in the middle of football postseason. Christmas is five days away, and we're having to follow this amid bowl games that are going on, bowl games that I'm not watching. Did you watch a minute of no. the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl last night. I don't even know who won the game. Nor do I. Do we have a bowl game tonight? This is me speaking honestly. Asking the, the important questions. We don't. There's one tomorrow between Syracuse and South Florida. Go ACC. The next couple are ACC games. Georgia Tech, UCF. 
Well, I might be locked into that. Our guy West Durham said that he's going to be calling that game. So maybe we'll pay attention to that. UTSA won last night, by the way. Roadrunners. The runners. Marshall, not very good. Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. And then the other thing with signing day is this. All the guys that are being talked about today, this game changers, program changers, they're going to be in the portal next year. Oh, I didn't get enough playing time. Or two years from now. (laughs) It used to be pre-transfer portal. 40% of kids end up transferring one time in their college career. That number has to skyrocket to over half the kids now. There you go. Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves the way his new jeans highlight his man curves. Ooh, hot. Oh, hot. yeah, that's hot. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. They don't call North Carolina the hoop state for nothing. And since the holidays are here, you know what that means. It's holiday basketball tournament time, including Phenom Hoops's Gate City Classic next Thursday through Saturday at Smith High School in Greensboro that we've been telling you about for the last little bit. Yes, we're talking prep hoops on football signing day. Not a big signing day guy, so maybe this is just intentional on my part. Tyler Lewis from uh, Phenom joins us now. You might remember his time at NC State. Given where it's located on the calendar, your Gate City Classic next week. How many ACC, um, you know, how w- what types of teams should we be expecting next week? How many schools are going to be rolling through? What types of prospects are going to be there? Yeah, we're really excited about the Gate City, um, especially next week, right after Christmas. It's, it's loaded with talent. And, you know, one thing that another tournament that's going on is the John Wall Classic and, you know, John Wall and, and Raleigh. And, you know, they have a lot of, really good team so we're you know not competing because re- we really love those guys too but here at here at the gate city we have a lot of talent um that will be in the building and players such as you know jalen cross who's a top 50 player in the country from caldwell and you know ben l smith has some you know some you know borderline like division one kids division two kids and it, it's going to be a really fun tournament along the way because you're able to see, you know, seven games on Thursday. I think we have, you know, seven each day, honestly. So um, whenever you can get there early and stay and watch really good hoops throughout the whole day. And we're really excited about this event. You bring up the talent and I bring up the calendar talking about how conference basketball is about to start, but it's right before the holiday. So some teams have a little bit of a layoff. How many ACC coaches have you already heard from? How many do you expect to be in attendance at some point during the tournament? Um, I would, I would, I would expect some. Um, I, I know our past few events, we had a lot of ACC schools come in the building and, you know, recruit um, along the way. Uh, I think it's still a little bit early. I think you know some of the coaches are still trying to figure out their schedules and you know who who are they going to see, um, you know what recruits they're going to see. But I would, I would assume there would be. Um, a lot of division one coaches, division two coaches, um, division three coaches, you know, in, in, in the building for this tournament. Phenom Hoops has become a pretty big brand around here. PhenomHoopsReport.com. Tyler Lewis is with us here. As I mentioned, a lot of people probably remember you 
at NC State. I remember watching you play at Butler back in the day, which has me thinking, like, Butler's home is one of the most iconic homes in college basketball at Hickle Fieldhouse. In the ACC, you visited Cameron and the Smith Center. What was your favorite, as a shooter, what was your favorite gym to play in? I mean, it's it's hard to, you know, go against, like, Cameron Indoor Stadium with, with how just a special environment that is. It's one of the best atmospheres in college basketball. And then going to Butler University and playing there for two years, um, Hinkle Fieldhouse is magical. Um, it's a special place, one of the most historic, you know, arenas in college basketball. And being able to play in front of that fan base um, and being able to play up there for two years was extremely special. So in the ACC, I'd probably go with, you know, Cameron, Big East, definitely um, Hinkle Fieldhouse. Cameron, probably your least favorite fan base, though, right? <laughs> that you know they're they're um they get into it that's the one thing i do love about the cameron crazies is they show up no matter if it's acc play or non-conference play they normally ha they normally sell it out and their student sections are there early they're loud and they get into it so it's hard not to respect a team in a fan base like that have you kept an eye on the acc early on this season i have i mean i think it's i mean it's still one of the best conferences in college basketball so um, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I wish the conference play didn't start as early, you know, you know, I, I think, you know, the early December games are, you know, are really hard because you go from, you know, scheduling, you know, your non-conference. Oh, wow. And now I got a conference game in beginning of December. So I wish the conference play could move back after Christmas and just to the new years, but I totally understand it with all the, you know, all these games that are, you know, all the conference getting bigger and all that stuff. Spoken like a coach, talking about not wanting the conference games so early on. I get it. I, I remember when they opened up with ACC games a few years ago when they launched the ACC network, and Roy almost had a conniption, the fact that they opened up with Notre Dame. I mean, like I said, like there's really no easy game in the <laughs> ACC. I mean, there's, it's such a good league. It's a basketball league. I think it's one of the most skilled skilled leagues in the country. And I mean, it's hard, you know, growing up in North Carolina, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a special place being, you know, near tobacco road and four ACC schools in North Carolina is just one of the best conferences. You being right in our backyard uh, we, in Winston-Salem, we need to get you in the studio sometime. Best of luck with the gate city classic next week, Thursday through Saturday. Phenom Hoops putting it on at Smith High School in Greensboro. Best of luck with it, Tyler, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Thank you so much. I hope to see a lot of people out at the Gay City. It'll be a really good one. So excited for a great three days of basketball.